Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry and powered by Schedulicity. Without further ado, should we do? Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. What if payment looked this good? And your tips looked even better. Better yet, what if you could do it all by phone? Norm, payment by text for small businesses. Barbers, stylists, massage therapists, facialists, you name it. Available now for everyone on Schedulicity. Norm, the modern way to pay. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tom. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? Well, first off, we want to thank Premier Orlando for once again bringing us out to uh, to, to to this event. And, um, you know, we, we've said it probably 15 times already this year because, well, one, we're just really grateful that we're back on the road and just thankful that, that, that our industry is starting to, frankly, feel like our industry again. Absolutely. And, and we say this all the time, too. Our two goals when we go to shows are dig deeper with our friends and then make new friends. And today is one of those make new friends situations. So uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And she, and she brought in friends so we can make friends with, so we, we get more friends. That's it. We, yeah. We're going to have a whole cluster of friends here at the right. end of this, at the end of this hour. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully at the end of this hour, we right. have a whole bunch of new friends. <laughs> it would suck if they all walked out at about the 30 minute mark. So y'all protest. suck. You guys suck. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's, I mean, t- for us, that's what, it, what, what this is all about is just, you know, connecting with people and, and get to know who they are and get, and get to hear their story. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, we're pretty excited about, uh, about, well, you know more about this story than I do because you're the research guy, but um, I'm pretty excited about, um, I'm pretty excited I'll tell you about what, the opportunity. Her and her husband are, are pretty squeaky clean. So uh, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of, whole lot of junk there to, to, to research, but, uh, but what we came to talk about, it's, it's pretty the- impressive. Oh, I can't wait then. Should we just get just, in? Just her work. I'm just talking about the, the, the skill well, set. I know that. Yeah. You know, I mean. But yeah, anyways, that's. I can't tell you, like, if you're listening in right now, I can't tell you how difficult it is playing coy when the person's sitting right in front of you. <laughs> but the funny thing is, we're playing coy, but yet when the podcast comes out, you. Her, already promoted it to her pictures on the, on the cover. So there's not, it's just really the coys for me and you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> people don't know. People don't understand that 90% of this podcast is just for you and my yours and mine entertainment. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah. That's cool. Should we get in? Yeah. Are, are they done? All right. So we're really like legit excited. Um, uh, Ashley Norman is on the podcast today. We're just excited that she's here. We're excited that we were able to make this happen live. Um, live is always the better way to go. I mean, we, we, we can do zoom podcasts, but man, is it fun to sit at a table and kind of like, you know, that's where the friendships come. Like, yeah. you're not at the table. You know? Yeah. And, and Ashley, if, if, if you don't follow her, Ashley, Ashley Norman hair, uh, she's, uh, she's an, an incredible artist and, you know, I, I I'm reading some stuff about you and we're going to introduce you in a second, but, uh, you know, like, like her first haircut, all these things that I'm reading about. Her. Let's get all into right. it. You, uh, you got it. We'll get into it. Sound right. good? Yeah. So Miss Ashley Norman, welcome to your day off. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Dude, thank you for making this happen. I know that you've been like absolutely smashed this weekend. So, you know, thank you for giving us a little bit of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I watched your Instagram live this morning as, as, as you were showing the back room and walking in, like it, it was, you, you guys had a packed house. Dude, that was insane. Like I literally brought flyers and I only put them on like the first few like rows. Oh, because <laughs> you weren't expecting a whole full house. Yeah. And then it was standing room only. They actually had to turn people away. The room was too full. Stop it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the people in the back didn't get flyers. No. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Text them. Um, and, and like when we talked before, like this is your first kind of show, right? Like representing Ashley Norman Hare? Pretty much. I did the IBS show in Vegas, but obviously it's a much smaller show. And it was also kind of the first one out of the gate from COVID. So this is my first like really This is your coming big, out party. Yeah. 
This wow. is crazy. So how how was it when you did open those doors and saw this packed house? How what was the feeling? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's go. We're in it, man. We're in it. Well, no dude, turning that, back. That's pretty cool. What time was your class this morning? Uh, we had one at 10 a.m. and then we had another one at 2.30. Oh, so yeah. like at 10 a.m., you're like, you're right, right from the opening of the show pretty much, right? Yep, absolutely, yep. That's, did I attack you coming out of that classroom this morning? Uh, no, it was fine, yeah. No, it was good. But that was the classroom that you were leaving? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So we start here, we'll end up back here, but- Let's go. Uh, where did you grow up? Where, where are you from? So um, I'm second generation Southern California, born and raised. Uh, we actually just moved. But before I moved, we were in the Santa Cruz Valley, which is just north of L.A. So basically a suburb of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, so considered Los Angeles County, actually. So that's where I grew up mainly. That's and, cool. Yeah. yeah. How'd, you find, how'd you find the hair industry? Um, so I actually, before I wanted to be a hairdresser, I wanted to be an actress. And I obviously- How very LA of you. <laughs> how very LA, right? I was definitely that girl who like dreamed of like an Academy Award, you know, at right. like five or six. So um, I'm definitely like, I love entertainment. I love theater. I'm really passionate about that. So I actually started doing a lot of like theater in junior high and then again in high school. And then I actually fell in love with hair backstage in theater. So I actually was doing, I was making costuming and doing hair for my high school theater before I decided to go to beauty school in high school. Wow. Were you doing makeup as well? Uh, no, not so much makeup, but Just yeah. Just like a costuming and hair? Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so, it's so funny to me, like in the industry, how many people like, how familiar that tract is. Like people like, you know, that were, like we've had a couple people on the podcast that were like kind of in like the, the, the acting. I mean, Alfredo Lewis was that way. I mean, he, 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 he was trying to be the actor in LA before he found hair and there's been a couple others too. It's just, it's really interesting that that, that seems to be a common track. Yeah, definitely. And obviously now what we're doing with education, there's a, a big part of that has a lot to do with public speaking and yeah. entertainment. And, you know, ever since like Guy Ting has really made that like, you know, social media entertainment part of our industry so important we all have to have that piece of it. So it does, does help. It helps a lot, right? Like we, <laughs> no, I was going to say, so, so did you start hair school in high school or did you wait yeah. till after high school? Yeah, I was my senior year in high school. I was 17. I did an ROP cosmetology program, which is basically you can do high school half a day and then go to school half a day for hair. So I lived um, in Santa Cruz, and then I would have to drive into the valley which was a big deal because I had just, I was a newly licensed driver. You're like 17 or something, right? Yeah, I was 17 and I was driving into the valley, which is like, you know, not as like safe, a little bit more sketch, <laughs> you know? And I came from like, we called it the bubble. It was a very safe little cush neighborhood. You didn't really have to lock your doors to the valley's a little bit rough. So driving, you know, and then going and doing beauty school and then we'd have to go again on Saturdays. So I'd, you know, go to school five days a week and then Saturdays until you can get a certain number of hours and then you can do an externship. So then I was already working in a salon while I was in beauty school at 17. Oh, wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. So was, was the, was the beauty school connected or associated with the school or did you just, or is it a half a day and then you have to go find a school? Was it like a tech, like an in, 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 in school tech program? No, it was not in the high school. So the high school was like, they paid that beauty school, which was a separate whole business. And it wasn't like a nice beauty school. <laughs> like I'm sure it was like whatever cheap, like, right. you know, government program, but like, you know, beauty school, you're, you're really just going there for the license and you know that your continuing education is going to be where it's at anyway. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I've done mentorship over the years of many, you know, assistants and the best assistants really are the ones that come from the not so great schools because they already know that they don't know anything. Whereas sometimes if they come from these name brand schools that were super expensive, they are almost unteachable because they come in super arrogant. So it's kind of interesting. I, I definitely recommend don't overspending on the beauty school portion and spend the money afterward. That's really interesting to me. You know, because I mean, like we went to a pretty good school in our area, you know, and, and uh, that probably was the reputation, honestly, of the students that, that kind of left there. But 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 that's intriguing to me a little bit, you know. I mean, I obviously like, I do believe in continuing education and I believe in all the, you know, spending, investing the money in that. And I, the first ever class I took was right out of beauty school. Um, my parents sent me to the the six week comprehensive class at Vidal Sassoon. 
So that was in Santa Monica. And then from there I took like Tony and Guy and um, DePetro taught up in San Francisco. And then I would fly to go take classes at Mumble and Bumble in New York. Um, Wella academies all the way from LA to Paris, London and back. So continuing education has always been a piece of what, what has gotten me where I am for sure. Wow. That's impressive. Very impressive. Did, so when, when you decided, Hey, I'm going to do hair, did you know what you kind of, what, what you wanted, or did you just, just kind of just embrace doing hair? I, I think I was naturally gifted at styling from the beginning. Cause like I said, I was doing a lot of styling backstage for a theater. Um, I did anything from like into wonderful life with like vintage finger rolls to, we did like, um, you know, grease lightning where, you know, we had to take good Sandy to bad Sandy in one scene. That was super fun. Um, I did like little shop of horrors, which is like a 1960s oh, film with like bouffants and stuff. So I fell in love with styling first. And so I thought that was the thing that I was most gifted at. Once I, was, once I went to beauty school, um, I definitely realized that color was something that I, I, I kind of gravitated towards. And so I loved doing color. Cutting was always the thing that was the hardest for me to get and to understand. And I spent the most money on color, cutting classes, which is interesting because um, now when I started my independent education, I was primarily teaching color for the first five years. Right. Only the last couple of years have I been teaching cut. And I just taught like over 300 people a haircut. And that was a lot for me because I always had that insecurity. Like I wasn't good at cutting, especially right. because I'm not like a precision cutter. And that was always the standard that was held over my head. And it's like, if you can't do it like this, then you suck. Right. Um, but it's interesting because everything now is just very lived in. It's very sexy. It's very broken down. And to me, that's natural. That's the kind of hair that I like, you know? So I like a lot of movement and femininity. So more Tony and guy style, more bumble and bumble, like razor feeling, or even like a Nick Arojo style. I've taken all of those classes. So that to me makes a lot more sense. Um, but it's only been more popular within the last few years. That's pretty cool. We, um, we were, we were talking to an artist yesterday and, and she was saying, almost kind of the opposite of that a little bit. Like, like she's like, like she likes like the mullets and, and the shags that are coming back because there's a lot more shape. She's a colors mm, and there's a mm -hmm. lot more shape to kind of play with and kind of like almost to challenge yourself. Like, okay, well kind of the long flowy stuff. Um, we've done that a little, you know, and now that, now that we're getting more structured kind of haircuts again, she's, she's excited and re-energized to kind of like, all right, we're going to attack that. Like, like how can we make that epic? Right. But it's still fluid and it's still soft. Yeah, 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 but I do know, I do understand what she's saying because for the longest time, well, it's interesting because when I started doing hair, it was all about the Victoria Beckham, like asymmetric A-line, you know, you know, whatever. And, and graduation in the back and all those things. It was very technical cut. And if you couldn't nail that, like you, you couldn't get a, a chair on the floor. Like you had to be able to nail that. So, you know, graduation, technical cutting, everything was so trending back then then everything flipped on its head. I think pretty much after the crash in the economy in 2008, everything started to become more about like low maintenance hair, lived in hair, right? right? And we started just doing a lot of one lengths and lobs because we were painting these vertical lines into the hair. Well, if you come in and you create all these layers, now you're cutting the balayage off in all the wrong places and you just get this like cheetah, yeah. right? <laughs> At all the wrong places. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why we weren't really cutting any shape into hair because we were just trying to show off our balayage. You're right. Now we are starting to see layers come back in. We are starting to see a lot more structure, but that being said, it still has that feeling of like fluidity and soft. It's not as hard as the Victoria Beckham. We haven't gotten that far. No, 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 no doubt. No doubt. It, it, it's it, it's kind of cool though. Like whether you know it or not, we're in the middle of another evolution, right? Like we, we, and, and to your point, like we had lived in here and you're, that's so observant though, that you said that it was kind of like at the you know, when it crashed, you know, a few years ago, because you're spot on there, you know, and, and now it makes sense to me as to like why we kind of created like these longer yeah. living or lived in, in things. And, and you've seen like a lot of shags and curtain fringes and all these, you know, very soft, still textured, but yet still strong shapes. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no doubt. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, you just, you just powered my head. Cause <laughs> I, oh, okay. Well now that makes sense on another, le on another level as well. But uh, I'm pretty excited. About, I'm pretty excited to kind of watch it start to move around a little bit. I wonder if that has to do with like the last year. Yeah. Well, shags, I think were coming in before 2020 because I was definitely already, I already had a film, an online education that was selling for that class. So that was already kind of starting, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, but it's interesting now because I remember, so I remember taking classes at Bumble and Bumble and like Howard McLaren was the creative director back then. And he used to photograph all of his own work, which was revolutionary back then because that was before cell phones. And so the fact that a lot of the imagery that we see, we saw coming out of that company was actually his photography. So not only was he the lead like cutter, but he was also one of the lead photographers for, for the company, which was rare back then. Nowadays we take all of our own photos, right? So I remember him back then saying, you know, to photograph your work. And that was a crazy idea. But now of course, you know, all the work you see on my Instagram, including the one that I just won for one shot, that was my photography. So your photography almost has to be as good as your, your cutting at this point. But also another thing like Howard had said back then that you really, really see now is, you know, the young cool girls who don't really have money to go to the salons, they're the ones doing weird shit to their hair at home and they're setting the trends. And and it's even truer now because of TikTok, right? So you're seeing, for example, in my class, someone asked, what is the wolf cut? Well, it's really a shag. Right. But Gen Z is at home. They've been stuck in their room on Zoom all, all year. And so they're just in there like, who gives a shit? Wolf cut this shit and put it on TikTok, right? right? But they're driving the trends. Of course, we're going to modify it and we're going to make it more commercial for our older clients because what a young cool girl can wear, maybe a soccer mom can't exactly pull off, but but it's all derived, right? right? So it's kind of interesting to see how everything's kind of evolving. It's interesting that we were in, um, in the early 90s, we took a, a, a cutting course in, um, in London, right? And what they were saying was the difference between like the, 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 the UK market and the, and the US market was that in the US, all the trends come from the companies. They come from the brands. They come from what they're putting out. And with the UK market, everything comes off the street. And, and, and I think you're spot on there, right? So, But that street now happens to be our digital, you know, which is interesting because now I was now, trying to make a Sesame Street joke there, but 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 it fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, right right off of the TikTok, right. TikTok Street, Street of TikTok, right. Whereas like they call it the High Street, right over in England, the that's High it, Street, the High Street, all the High Street. But it's interesting because it's actually reversed now. So if you look at everything that's happening over in like England, let's say it's actually still more technical Sassoon kind of academy driven haircutting, mm-hmm. whereas you know everything that happened in America, it's like the Kim Kardashian culture. It's all about social media. We care so much more about social media here in America and Latin America than they do over in Europe. So it's interesting how, how different it is there in Europe. Like there's still, like I took a class from Gianni Scumacci. I'm sure you're familiar. Mm-hmm. He was one of the youngest creative directors of Adal Sassoon. And now he's still like amazing. One of the most famous hairdressers I actually was lucky enough to do a private class with him over in London pre- right before COVID hit. Oh, wow. So, um, but they're still working like very technically. And it was funny because, you know, he really wanted me to come to him, to London, to, to like get the feeling and to understand the sophistication and kind of be absorbed in the culture. But of, of course I came in and I was like, okay, so we're going to do this, but when we do it, we're going to get social media. So we're going to take this content we're going to do this. And I'm coaching the models and photographing them. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing, Ryan and da, da, da. And he was like, oh my God, like, and I was teaching him all this stuff and how to use his phone and how to do this and this and this. And he was like, you're supposed to be absorbing me. And now I'm absorbing you. And you come in and you're like, America. America. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't handle it. I don't know what to tell you. That is funny. That's really funny. But it was cool because we were able to like trade each other. That's cool. When, um, when or how did you catch the, uh, the education bug? So early on I had, um, I had a really great hairdresser. She was like one of the, called them the heavy hitters at Carlton, you know, the Carlton, um, that had that big chain salon back in the day. It was super, super popular Carlton hair. Um, so I used to go get my hair done there and that was really kind of another thing that kind of helped me really fall in love with the industry. I grew up with, um, a mom who was like a seventies hippie, like just never cut and colored her hair, like never did her makeup. Like she's just so chill. And then I had two older brothers. So I was the youngest, um, the only girl, and there was really no girly influence in my life, but I just came out like loving hair, fashion, makeup. And my mom had no clue and she couldn't teach me anything. And I remember her taking me to a Carlton and um, I saw like a fashion magazine from the first time in my life. And I was like, what is this? It was like the Bible. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and like, all, I saw like a Tarantino light coming out yeah. of the magazine. Yeah. And then I saw all these cute girls like dressed with this hair. And I was like, 
where have these people been all of my life? I think these are my people. And my mom's like, okay, good. Can you just, cause I, I don't even know what to do with this. Just right. like, I was probably like 12 or 13, you know, just coming into that time. Kind of like how these TikTok kids are like 12 or 13 now, like coming into their own, doing their wolf cuts on their self in the bathroom now. But so that's kind of where I like came into that. And early on, I would do stuff to my mom, like cut her, whatever. My mom just didn't care. Thank God. She was like, let me do weird shit to her hair. And then she would come in and the, my hairstylist would fix it. And she'd be like, oh, actually this isn't that bad. Like you did this or you did that. And then I would always come in and be like, do whatever you want, you know, <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> I was that client, you know, which was so fun. And I was like the weirdo in school. In fact, um, I was like in, in my high school yearbook, I got most unique, which I wasn't sure if it was an insult because it's like, <laughs> the weirdest kid in school kind of award. Um, but who won, who won <laughs> the year before? Cause that's kind of how you can <laughs> judge. Oh, always they, the goth kid, you know, always the goth right. kid. So I was the non goth, but I was still original, I guess. Right. Um, so anyway, she, I, she told me, she was like, you know, just go somewhere cheap for your school. Like don't spend your money on your school, spend your money on your advanced education. So she told my mom, like you need to send her to Sassoon right when she gets out of school. And so that's what, how that happened. I started continuing my education and then I was working in a salon. It didn't have a great apprenticeship. And I just went on the floor. I was not ready. I was probably like 18, 19 years old trying to take clients. I was also going to college because my parents still wanted me to get my bachelor's degree, which I do have a bachelor's degree in fashion merchandising, which is, no one even knows that, but <laughs> we do now. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, education is obviously like a big part of, of my background, but including traditional education. Um, so that being said, um, I was working in a salon. I didn't have good education. I was doing some terrible hair, like not b building a clientele at all. And then that hairstylist who was my hairstylist since I was about 13 opened a salon and it was a Bumble and Bumble salon. And it was like one of the only high end exclusive Bumble salons in our little suburb. And so that was a big opportunity for me to move over to that salon early on. And then she chose me to be her network educator. So basically you choose one person to be the network educator for the salon. And then you get to go to the classes in New York. And so that was a huge turning point for me because then I could continue my education through there on top of paying out of pocket to go to like Tony and guy and all these other right. academies. So when you went to that bumble and bumble, did you, were you an apprentice or were you uh, on the floor? So what it was, was like a, like you, one stylist from an, an exclusive salon would be able to come and take classes once or twice a year, depending on your product sales. So that's how you earn points to take the education. Sure. So it was actually more of a liaison program where it was like, you would go and take the education and then you would do teach backs to your salon. Gotcha. And they used to actually give you courses to teach back to your salon. And they'd give you the curriculum and all that stuff. Yeah. And they even taught you on how to do like how to present yourself and how to do conduct your, like create a live uh, demo and everything. So they taught you how to be an educator, but it was interesting because it's like, you know, you're paying flight and hotel, you're selling their product so that you can teach their, how to use their product. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a smart thing to do for them. Mm -hmm. You know, you got this little title, which made you feel special, but then you were also teaching your salon how to use the product and how to do, you know, styling, but also razor cutting and things too, mm -hmm. which also pushed the product sales even more. So it was a really great business model and it was a great opportunity for growth for me as well. Sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting I'm, I'm trying, I'm just trying to parse this out a little bit, but like you still gain so much of that, you know? So like, even though you're paying for these classes, I mean, you're probably not the Ashley Norman that you are today without like what you learned and how to present a product or how to present yourself or whatever, you know? So yes. there's that as well. You know? Yeah. And, and obviously like I took a lot of other academies mm -hmm. and the way I run my class, I still try to run it in a semi-traditional way in terms of like, in, I, sense? in sense that it's not just a demo. So a lot of independent education now is you're just going to see someone walk in with either a model or a doll head and just demo something. And then just like, they're kind of telling you what they're doing. And then I do this and then I do this and then I do this. Peace. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, but wait, what? Like, so, <laughs> so it's like, for example, like if I'm going to teach you math, I'm not going to say, okay. And then, you know, this and this and this and this equals this. Cause now I'm giving you the solution to one problem. I'm not teaching you how to solve math. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a difference between theory, right? Which is why you're doing it and the demo, which is just showing you how. So it's really important to me to understand the theory. And that was a the thing that helped me a lot. Like learning with Sassoon is like, 
he was the first one, like he wanted to be an architect, but his family couldn't afford to send him to school. And so he put his passion of architecture into hair. You know, he was inspired by the Bauhaus movement that was happening in Germany. And it was this whole concept of moving away from, you know, the Renaissance where it was like a lot of ornamentation on the gargoyles and all this crap on the buildings. He's like, no, clean lines, simplicity, right? Utilitarian modernism. And so he used that same concept, but for hair. And he made a system where it's like A plus B plus C equals anything, right? So it's like you have your line, you have your technique, and you have your shape. And any combination of those three things creates any haircut. And so it was like, oh my God, so I can literally draw a head sheet. Okay, I'm using diagonal lines. I'm using overdirection, you know, forward. Okay, that's going to create a round shape. Like, got it. So now I know how to solve my own problem. Someone comes in with a photo, I can literally head sheet it because I know exactly where to go. It's a system. That way it's repeatable. I'm not just cutting here, cutting there and guessing and hoping it comes out. Then she comes back. Oh, I love my haircut last time. Can you repeat that? No, because I don't actually know what I did, right? (laughs) So it's instead of working intuitively, you have a system. And so that's how I approach color, which is very different. Because a lot of colorists are like, oh, you, it's, you know, you kind of paint over here and you paint over there and it's very visual. It's like, well, that's great. But like, can you give me a system like with cutting? Cause I don't cut that way. So why should I color that way? Right. You know? So, so obviously having a system in terms of your placements is important, but then understanding the theory, right? So I'm not just talking about like, okay, yeah, violet cancels yellow. We understand the color wheel got it. I'm talking about like understanding the pH scale, understanding the factors of lift, understanding, you know, saturation, this, you know, what's the difference between an oil bleach, a clay bleach, a powder bleach, or a blonde AF? Like, what am I going to do here? So there's so much more in depth there. And, and and that's how I approach it is like, yes, you're going to see a live model demo. Yes. We're going to do hands-on, but if you don't have this theory piece, then you're not going to, when you go behind the chair and you have a different problem than I demonstrated, then how are you going to solve that? Boom. Right. So that's really important to me. How, like, like I hear you. Right. But like, this has been the challenge of our industry for a thousand years, right. Or a hundred, you know, but it's been the challenge It's like, how do we teach these things and make it interesting and make it, make it so you keep it. Right. Because we've learned, I mean, like I, I can tell you that even the level system look, took me three years out of school to kind of like even start to get it, you know? So, so what's been your approach to kind of like to get it to stick and, and, and to understand it? Well, you have to have a little bit of entertainment for one. So you do dances and stuff. We, we do do, we do do dances. <laughs> and we, in fact, we started dancing before TikTok was a thing, just so you know. Um, so yeah, you have to keep it fun and you have to keep it light Mm-hmm. And it has to only be what's relevant and nothing more, right? So like fewer exactly. l- fewer words, more meaning. Mm. So I've taught a lot of classes. Like I usually will teach at least twice a month. And every time I travel, I'll teach two classes. So I'll teach four classes in a month typically. And I've been doing that since I was a network educator starting in 2007, four classes a month. So you multiply that, you figure it out. <laughs> but the point is, is like, you know, class after class after class. And I had, I had feedback forms too. Mm -hmm. There were ones that that were given to me from Bumble. And I used those even in my independent education for the first five years. And it's like, I took the feedback. I took the feedback. I took the feedback and I honed down and honed down. Okay. What exactly did this, do I need to teach? And what is too much and irrelevant? Because you do have, you know, people that maybe are chemists in the industry and they want to teach all this shit that does, listen, I'm working behind the chair. And I've got clients back to back. What is relevant to me right now? Mm. And so I think that's the thing is like, because I'm a hairdresser behind the chair, working with real clients with real needs, I understand the issues. So it's like, I'm teaching as a behind the hair stylist, but I also have a technical background. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of bringing a little bit of both in. And then we do make it a lot of fun. You know, we have a lot of fun in my classes. That's cool. I, I'm kind of bummed out that I wasn't at a class, you know, earlier this morning. Right. <laughs> I know instead of attacking you in the hallway, I should have been in your classroom that I wouldn't have fit in because it was sold out in standing room only. Yes. And I have one more tomorrow. So wish What's me luck. Time? One o'clock. Oh, if you want to get in, you better get there an hour early. <laughs> an hour early. There was people in line an hour before my 10 a.m. class. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool though, man. That was, that was crazy. Like, so we came here yesterday, obviously to set up our booth. Right. You know? And this is, like I said, my second ever hair show. My first one was pretty small. Um, and so when I came in here and I saw the floor and I saw all the brands, 
And we were in the far back left corner and I saw all the names of all the people that are teaching here. And I was like, dude, no one's coming to our booth. We're all the way back here. They're not gonna be able to find us. And no one's gonna come to my class. Why would they come to my class? They come this person, that person, this person. (laughs) I put like literally like flyers on the first few rows of the chairs. Like, okay, Mm. if we've got like 20, 30 people in here, we'll be good. Wow. No, the 200 person room filled up to 300 and then they were turning people away. So that was crazy. Dude, how does that make you feel though? I mean, what, what, that's, that's incredible, man. It's, yeah. Like you said, it's kind of like your first show. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because I'm not here with the brand. So most of the other educators are, are platform. You're leaving with a brand though. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have a couple sponsorships now. um, But you know, when I started in independent education, I only had 600 followers and it was just like little, like, Hey, would you ever teach a class outside your salon? Cause people had seen that I've been teaching in the salon for eight years and started getting requests for people to teach outside the salon. Now that people were seeing my Instagram. When you say salon, was it your salon or someone else's salon? So no, I just worked under us. I tried to like actually a commission base. It was actually booth rental. So it's interesting. I've, I've never actually been employed. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> my whole life. I've always been working for myself. So I was independent contractor wow. renting a booth. Um, and yeah, like, I, I tried to offer a partnership with my salon owner after working with, with her for eight years. Like I said, she was my hairstylist since I was 13. She was like basically a mom to me. And then when she turned down my partnership offer, it was like a divorce. It was very crushing. Um, but it ended up being like the biggest blessing because around that same time is when people were like, would you ever teach a class outside your salon? And I was like, well, this path is kind of coming to an end. So like, yeah, maybe I'm going to try it. Same time though, was when we got pregnant with our first child, um, our son, who's just turned six. So this is like seven years ago. And, um, I remember my salon owner who, who, you know, recently rejected me was just like, well, you can't be a traveling educator. You're you're about to become a mom. And then I was like, okay, so, so now you've said that. That means I'm going to go do it right. to prove to you that I can. Well, we can thank her for that. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for those remarks. Mm-hmm. We get Ashley now. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's funny because the same thing, like my husband, we were like uh, very Dave Ramsey, like people where like budget this and that. And he was going over our finances and he was just like, Hey, you know, like by the time we pay for a nanny and a maid and your self unemployment taxes and all this and that, like, you know, might almost be better for you to stay home. And I was like, well, that's not who you married. So what's, what bar do I need to hit? And he gave me a goal. He was like, you need to hit this in order, you know, to not just be breaking even. To make sense. And I was like, okay. So I started traveling and I did it all through my pregnancy with my son. My second ever independent education class, I was already at six weeks pregnant with him. So I started traveling and teaching all over my last class. I was eight months pregnant. I taught a two day class in August in Vegas. No. Yeah. Talk about cankles on cankles. <laughs> and, um, my, and then I came back to LA and I taught one more class at, I think I was like 30, like four weeks before I had gave birth, so like 36 weeks. And then I worked behind the chair all the way up until the day before I went into labor. And so when, after my son came out, he did the numbers and I, I hit my goal. <laughs> Wow. Dude, air fives. Give me some air fives. <laughs> right? That's, all, that's amazing, actually. So, so basically, if somebody says you can't do it or you need to stop doing it, you're going to do it. You're going oh, yeah. to prove them wrong. Yeah. So don't tell me not, because then it's just reverse psychology. Like, don't even go there with right. me. <laughs> Unless you want me to do it. And then then you're going so to make me do it. I was going to say that. I was like, does, 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 does your husband, Chris, ever like uh, do that to you? Like, Ashley, you can't do this. <laughs> He, you know, there's been a few times he doubted me. He doesn't doubt me anymore because but now does he, he does he not doubt you, but he just says that he doubts you just to motivate you to, to kick ass. Um, well, I don't think you need motivation to kick ass. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. But yeah, even my dad, who is my manufacturer of my foilage boards, um, my first ever class, he was like, okay, babe, like that sounds like a great idea. But if, if no one shows up, like, don't be disappointed. <laughs> and so now my dad was just in my class with over 300 people. Oh, in it. Yeah. And he was awesome. just like, yeah, I know I said that seven years ago, but I didn't mean it. <laughs> so when you left the salon, uh, did you like go into a booth or I, yeah. So I did stay at the salon for a little bit more and then I got 
pregnant with my second child. And then I was like kind of ready to just get out on my own. It got to a point where it was like, she ended up taking on another partner. And then that whole situation got kind of toxic. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to like, you know, branch out. And it was painful because like leaving that situation, I really felt at the time it was scary for me because I didn't know if, if I was a part of the salon success or the salon was responsible for my success, it was unclear. Sure. Um, so, um, when I left, you know, it, it was a scary time, but I was pregnant with my second child and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to go through a pregnancy stressed and, and, and depressed. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to a place that I can create my own thing. And at at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm going to follow my passion and, you know, God's got me and like, let's do it. And so I ended up getting like a studio. I worked in like 130 square foot box for three years. Um, and I, and I was working ever since I had my son, I went down to three days a week. So I was like a part-time working mom, you know, in a salon sola, like a lot of women in this industry. Sure. And so I relate to that. I relate to working three days a week and, you know, having a nursing infant and having to take pump breaks or working one day on one day off so you can be with your child. And then when I traveled, I traveled with my mother-in-law, my husband's mom. She traveled with me while I was nursing. So my son for 18 months, first 18 months of his life, he went everywhere with me. And then my daughter for the first year of her life. So, you know, (laughs) did she, your mother-in-law came in kind of as, I don't want to put a title, but like as a nanny role to kind of like, yeah, she was like a traveling, she she was like a traveling nanny. And so before that she was actually a special ed teacher, Oh word! which is like, you know, she's incredible with children, amazing amount of patience. And so she was the perfect person to travel with me. Cause it's like, you, you never want to be the mom on the plane with the crying baby, right? Like that's always the fear of being a, you know, traveling, yep. working woman with children. <laughs> like it's terrifying because you, you know, kids are just unpredictable and this and this and that, but she was great. And sometimes I would be editing, you know, videos and stuff on my phone for Instagram and she'd be the one dealing with the baby. And, and then people would be like, look at that mom. She's not doing anything. And the grandma is doing everything. <laughs> and then my mother-in-law would be like, I get paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That is hilarious, man. Yeah, because if it was a man, they wouldn't have judged him, right? If he was, no, on, no, if a man, you're, you're, you're right. If a man right. was on the plane working on his laptop, uh-huh. and the wife or the grandma was doing it, they, he wouldn't have gotten judged. But a woman working, yep. See, hundred percent. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what were you say? My, what I was going to ask is that: Does your former uh, salon owner? ever like peek in like, wow, I'm kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah. She DMs me from time to time. It's just hard. Like I, I don't know. I, I feel like that relationship maybe, maybe later we'll, we'll be able to heal it at some point, mm-hmm. but it, it was definitely a hard time. And we still, I still have some things with her that we haven't been able to like fully come to, to fruition with. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's taught me a lot in terms of understanding the, the importance of mentorship and the power that you have. Like, and so I don't take that very lightly because I understand that anyone who is with me apprenticing or on my team, like the, the level of, of impact I can have on their life. But so if I see someone rising and we all have that like little bit of jealousy, that's always going to come in and be like, Ooh, that person's now they're teaching and they're going to teach my technique. And, but I catch myself. And I'm like, hold up. This is what happened to you. The minute you started to rise, that's when the sabotage came in because it made them uncomfortable that you were, that the, you know, apprentice was rising above the master. And so I swore to myself that I was never going to do that. And if anyone does rise above me, instead of being like jealous and then trying to take them down or be like, oh, you can't copy my technique or try to control them. Instead, I'm going to be like, you go, because if anything, I'm going to, I'm going to be proud of you. And know that like I was a piece of your success. And so I'm going to take pride in your rise. Go, go ahead. Go past me. Go. I want you to rise. A&H Church right there. (laughs) And and, and, you know what? I want to kind of, I want to address something in there. Um, It's okay to have the feelings. It's just not okay to react to the feelings. You know, and or or to like, once you have the feelings, identify that that's, that's a, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but, but that's almost like a flaw in your personality, but you have control over that. Whatever you react after you have those feelings is on you. What's not on you is having those feelings. And I think that's really, really important. To, it's like yoga, right? Like you get to go, okay, let it go. You're feeling this or you're thinking about this. Okay, we've identified it. This is it. This is jealousy. This is what jealousy looks like and feels like. Now let it go. 
Yeah. You know, that's so, so important. And that's definitely a part of my practice, you know, and, and, and honestly, like, I think I fail at it more than I succeed, but, but the more that I do it, then the more success that I see as well. You know, absolutely. I think it's a really, really important to kind of like talk about and identify. Cause I don't know if we have enough conversations about those feelings. Yeah. There's always going to be that little devil in your ear saying things. But like you said, if you listen to that devil, that's when the sin comes. But if you hear that, like you said, you're not going to take that shame on like, Oh my God, I'm a horrible person. It's like, okay, I had that thought, mm -hmm. but I captured it. And then I like moved in the other direction, okay. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's, that's really cool. I appreciate you for appreciating that. that, that that's really dope. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not perfect. I make, I make mistakes, you know, like I've had mentorship relationships that haven't worked out, but I, I try very hard to keep, keep that in, in the front of my mind for sure. So you, you brought in about uh, your apprentice. What, what do you look for when you, when you're bringing in somebody outside of going to a sucky school? <laughs> I know. I'm like, just come in knowing that you don't know. Right. Well, um, n number one is attitude. Cause you can teach skill to anyone really, you know, um, but you can't like change their attitude, you know? So I, I'll, I'll do interviews like talking, but I, I also like to do interviews and seeing how they work. So I would have people come in with live models and even if it's just as simple as a blow dry, and then I'll be like, oh, you know, maybe you should blow dry like this. Or what do you try that? And then they're like, oh, no, because of this. Or, oh, the clip's that. You're already making excuses in your interview. Like, you're out. You know, no. Don't talk back to me now because this is, the, you know what I mean? Because shit's about to get real. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I need, I need a teammate. It's like, oh, okay, you already know everything. Then I guess you don't need to apprentice me, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's important. And then, you know, how how they treat people, you know, how they treat the client, especially because I think that's a thing too, is like we can kiss ass to the boss all day long, but how we treat the the little people, that's where it really comes out. And that's especially now in my education, you know, I can have someone come, you know, want to teach with me in, in an education environment, but if they want to follow me around all day and just kiss my ass all day, mm -hmm. then I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like I'm paying you to be here to co-facilitate my education. The people that are paying us are the students. So don't come in to me, go make sure that their needs are taken care of. Even if, even if it's as simple as like, oh, their tray's too low, make sure it goes higher make sure, oh, they, they, they need to wipe their hands on a towel, go get them a towel. Like, you know, make you cater to their needs because they're our customer, you know, right. they're coming right. in. We have to make sure that they have an amazing experience start to finish. Don't follow me around and just keep complimenting me. That's not how I, that's not helpful. Yeah. It's good. yeah. At the end of the, you're right though. Right. At the end of the day, like that's not, who's that helpful to your own ego? You know, yeah. We're trying to work past that. We're trying to be better than our own egos. Exactly. Mm. For sure. So, so when did A&H become a, a dream or a, a, you know, something that you, you knew that you wanted to create this thing and, and, and make it what it is. Honestly, like it's just been really organic and it's not like something that I foresaw and then manifest exactly. It's really like been discovered in terms of like, all I did was react to what people wanted. So, um, when I started becoming an educator, the reason I did it was because I had so little education. Um, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my first couple of years mm -hmm. of hairdressing and I didn't want other people to make those same mistakes. And so when I started the um, assistant program at the salon I was working at, that was the true reason to start. It was like, here, let me teach you a few things that I did wrong. So you, so you don't, so, and, then I, and I was a little tough. This was before I had kids and, and I would just be like, listen, I'd rather be the one making you cry right now than the client. So if you think I'm, I'm an asshole, just wait until you scrub someone's hair and then see how nice they are to you afterwards. So <laughs> if right. I'm tough on you now, you're going to thank me later, you know? So I, that really was the original passion from it. And then you know, not really knowing my direction. There was a minute when I realized I wasn't going to be an owner of this salon that I thought I was working towards that. Um, and when I realized that wasn't going to happen, I tried to do editorial. So I was like working backstage at fashion week for a few seasons. I was building my editorial book, working with photographers and just collaborating, assisting on any shoot that I could. Mm -hmm. I even had a blog that I ran for an entire year. I used to get up at like four in the morning I would do my hair, full hair and makeup. And then my husband would actually photograph me at 6 a.m. And then I started my first client at 7 a.m. every Saturday. I did that for an entire year. Wow. Yeah. And I and that was my first social media posting was my blog. So if you go back way back on my Instagram, 
there's actually a hashtag. It said Saturday morning blog. And I did all these different, you know, inspired looks on myself. Um, so I did that now, of course, I never got an agent. I never, you know, became successful in, in that world. It's a very small world, Mm -hmm. but I will say it did teach me a lot about how hair photographs, which is a huge part of social media at this point. It's very, very important how we present ourselves on Instagram or photography. So I learned a lot when it came, comes to that through that experience. What, but when that became unsuccessful around the same time as when people were like, would you ever teach a class? And then I just started, oh, would you come here? Would you come here? Would you come here? Would you come here? And I remember the first time I got someone from out of state wanting me to come and I was like, oh man, travel this and that. I got to bring an assistant. And I was like, listen, like, and it was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which now I traveled there every year. It's a beautiful place. I actually just ran into a couple stylists from there. And, um, I'm like, Idaho. And I was like, really? I'm like, listen, uh, with everything, how much it's going to cost, I think I need you to at least guarantee me like 10 tickets at like 300 bucks a ticket. You think you could do that? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking three grand, that's a lot. I don't think anyone's going to do it. Sure enough. They're like, yeah, come to Idaho. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do this. And so that's how it just kind of happened. A lot of word of mouth. And so I think that's a thing that's a little bit different about me and my brand is I wasn't made by anyone. I, I didn't, no one gave me a title of educator. No one put me on their platform as a platform artist. I had to start from scratch, from nothing. And everything that I've built has to be on my word of mouth, literally. Like I wasn't just going to get hired on a gig or have a company send me somewhere. It was like, if my class wasn't good, I wasn't going to get the referral. So that I don't necessarily have the same number of followers mm-hmm. as, as the, as like there's width and then there's depth. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't have, have the appearance, but then when you see the ticket sales, I sell a lot more tickets than some of these, you know, bigger names because, because of my word of mouth. And so that's, that was what was reflected in the show today. Like they put me in a tiny room, they gave me a booth in the far left corner and then they underestimated. So maybe next year they'll give me a bigger room. <laughs> Well, I hope you. I hope I hope Chris took pictures of all the people that didn't go to your class. So next year, when you rec- when you come back and, and that, that listen, I'm gonna need a bigger room. I think all those people didn't get in. They're gonna be the first ones in line tomorrow. That's it. They're probably you in know? line right now. Yeah, probably standing in line right now. You just go over there and wave to them and stuff. So did you guys? Did you and Chris kind of like talk about like okay? You know, I'm I'm selling these tickets. We need to hone in on what this brand looks like, or what 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 is this? how it's going to present itself. Not really. I pretty much like, is that true? You're looking at me like, no, um, (laughs) pretty like, okay. Oh, you had your three things that uh, we decided we were definitely going to do. Okay. What were the, I don't remember this. Well, you had to build something with your name on it. Okay. Yes. And we would never use coercion. Okay. Like just forcing people into your class. They're not going to learn. They're not going to be capable of learning when they're forced into a situation. Okay. I think there was one more, right? You might be able to remember the last one. Right. So after what happened with my salon owner, where I was like building a brand that wasn't under my name, he was like, you're never going to do that again. Like you're never going to build someone else's brand and not get the credit. Because then when, once she did take on a business partner, the business partner then took credit of everything that I had done there. Right. And so, you know, so he's like, it has to have your name on it and um, no free and no coercion. That was the other one. It was um, no free. So a lot of educators, when they don't sell really well in an area, they'll pack their class, which means they'll just start inviting people for free. Right. There's people who do that all the time. Right. I ha- you rent Chris out? <laughs> <laughs> he's actually kind of smart. Right. <laughs> um, so it was like no free. And so even if I sell five tickets, I do not pack my classes because it's not about how it looks. It's about what it actually is, which is the substance. And so he would tell me like, let's say for example, after my second child had a paternity leave, you lose a little bit of that momentum. I only saw, sold five tickets. I still have to pay for my mother-in-law's flight, my assistant's flight, you know, everything else, you know, five tickets, you're, you're, you're losing money. And he's like, go and teach the best class those five people have ever taken. I was like, okay. So it took my daughter with me, my mother-in-law, we went and I taught the best class I could ever teach to these five people. Sure enough, one of them was a salon owner who owned a massive salon and is like, now come teach here. And then, you know, you get back on that role and that, and get that momentum back. So that was really important was because you never want 
a student walking away from a class and being like, Oh, what'd you pay? Oh, you came for free. Well, I pay. So I think that that's huge. Then the last one was no coercion. So um, the reason why is I was teaching these um, classes at the salon and the assistants had to come, right? Because it was like part of their job. Like you need to attend all the assistant classes. And so I'd be in there teaching this like technique. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I just figured this out. And da, 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 da. And they'd just be like hungover, like give zero fucks, right? Mm. There's my one F-bomb for the whole podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> We're not done yet. <laughs> right? And so, you know, if, if someone doesn't pay, they're not going to value it. So it's like no free, okay? They have to invest something, even if it's a, I don't know, 20 bucks, whatever. Sure. If they invested, at least they're going to take it more seriously. And so that was another thing was not coercing anyone into doing anything. They don't have to go. You have to go, then you're not going to value it. Yeah. And so then it was interesting because I went right from teaching, you know, these ideas I just came up with that I was super passionate about to people who just could care less. And now people are paying like at the beginning, it was like 400 bucks maybe for a ticket. And they were like, what? Like, this is crazy. I'm like, thank you so much for coming and da, 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 da. And I was like, wow, like I was just teaching people who could care less and like you paid money and then you thanked me. Like I like it, That's you know dope. what I mean? Like yeah. this is crazy. We've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times. It's like, and, and I don't know why it is, but I don't know what the psychology is about it. But, but even starting this podcast, like the hardest people to reach were the closest to you. You know, the, 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 the yeah. hardest one, you know, like, like we come to these things and, and, and there's a lot of attention and there's a lot of like, you know, vibe in there. And then we go home and everyone's like, whatever you know yeah. what i mean like hairdressers that we kind of want to like you know like talk to and stuff like that we just but we just for whatever reason we can't we can't break through that you know we actually we for years we've been talking since we started the podcast we we have a list of 20 people that we wanted to talk to on the podcast and if if they're living you know then we've actually had them on the podcast but one person and and, and that was our mentor and we cannot for the world of us get them on the podcast <laughs> you know which is so close because if you were to ask me, you know, then we would have been, oh, he'd have been the first or second or third person on the podcast because we have access, you know, because when we started this, we had no access to anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but it's really interesting that it's the people that is closest to you that, and when you, when you brought that up, it, it kind of reminded me of like, once again, it's people that are close that you can't reach. Yeah. It's like they say, you can't be a prophet in your own town, which is interesting because the, the studios I worked in, they were right above a salon that went out of business. And so a lot of the people that were working in that salon moved up into those studios. And that was the salon I had first worked at when I was a terrible hairdresser at 19 years old. And so then those people that I had worked with like over a decade ago moved into these solo salons and then their solos were all next to mine. And I walked in and they wouldn't even say hi to me. Like literally for three years, I just walked through the halls and was totally ghosted. And I don't know if it was like a jealousy thing or what, but it was, it was frustrating because I'd be yeah. out there on the road and teaching and passionate. And I was open. It was like, ask me a question, whatever. Like, I'll tell you everything. What do you want to know? But it was like, mm, you know, I still I, see that 19 year old kid and yeah. they don't respect the, yeah. what a beautiful hairdresser you became. And so now I'm in Vegas. So now I get to pretend like I'm some rock star, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But actually you're in Orlando and you still get to pretend like you're a rock star. Did you yeah. see your attendance this morning? <laughs> that was, that was SRO. nuts. Yeah. And what's, what's, what's pretty amazing is that, you know, you see a lot of, a lot of, I'm not gonna say people, but brands or people or whatever, they, this is what I want to do. And so they create this massive marketing campaign and try to force it to become what their vision is. You just grew it organically. It just happened. You know what I mean? And to me, that's that's something special because it doesn't necessarily happen like that all the time. You know what I mean? So you should, you guys, you know, bravo, because you Thank guys you. Are, are very special. Yeah, we don't spend any money on marketing. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously my social media is my marketing. So you could say my time is what we spend. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't done like Facebook ads or I've done maybe one or two Instagram ads over the time. But yeah, we don't we don't have a marketing budget, but that's something I'm thinking about. Right, yeah. <laughs> but to be able to grow it like this organically is pretty impressive. You yeah, know? very it grassroots, 100%. And I think it's, I think I represent something because when I, you know, started in the industry over 15 years ago, all the platform artists, like I remember going to the um, ISSE show in Long Beach as a kid and all the platform artists were, were, were men. And, you know, it makes sense because, you know, in, back then in order to be an educator, you had to be an educator for a company. There was no independent education. So you had to work at a company for many, many, many years and master their way of doing it. And then you had to fight for promotions to get to the top spot. 
Well, if you're having babies and you can only work three days a week or you need to bring your traveling nanny with you, like mm -hmm. you're going to get passed up because, uh, you know, a single male is going to be easier and more accessible. So yeah. it makes sense. There's no way I could have competed with that because I did need my, my one day on one day off. I did need my nanny with me and I did need one weekend on one weekend off. I couldn't go every single weekend. So there was limitations for me. Um, so I think, you know, obviously Instagram, it gives us the ability now to, to create an awareness that we wouldn't have been able to create without the technology. So there is a power obviously in social media, but I do, I feel like I represent like, Hey, like if you're a part-time working mom, you too can be a platform artist. Mm. You don't have to wait to be promoted. You don't need a company to tell you that you're somebody, you can be somebody on your own. You know, what's interesting about this weekend, and we've talked about it a couple of times, not on air, but off air, is that, um, you know, there's none of the, like, the traditional big brands here. There's no L'Oreal, there's no L'Oreal here, there's no Aveda here, there's no, none of those brands are here. And like, like you've done, this is a perfect place and a perfect opportunity to get in front of an audience because you're not, there's not a lot of, like, brand distractions this year. I mean, if you're not, if you're an independent educator and you're not here, you missed out. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I, I wouldn't have even thought of it unless um, Jacob Kahn was actually the one who challenged me because um, we were kind of following each other, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago and had about the same level of following in the beginning. And then, you know, he got on Cosmoprof team and just really took off. And so um, he invited me to come teach at his salon last year. And I did. And it was very successful. And then at dinner, he was like, Ashley, why are you never at the shows? And I was like, bro, like you were on Cosmoprof team. Like I'm not on anyone's team. I'm not like behind the chair or cause and prop. I'm not, I've got like one or two little sponsors. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, but Ashley, you, you don't need to be invited by a brand. You are a brand. Invite yourself. And I was like, what? what? So, so that's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm going to have my own booth under my own name, my own classes under my own name. And I did it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> yes. So uh, rumor has it that um, that you and Jacob are doing a class together in November. Yes, November 14th in Las Vegas. That's very, very cool. Yes, it's exciting. And Ben's going to be there too, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He has such a great energy. I love him. Yeah, me too. I did a private class with him last year in my studio. And then it was funny because we, we booked a, he had booked a charter on a boat just for fun. And then it was the same day we were supposed to do in these two days of class. So we ended up doing one day of class and then going on the boat. And so now we have a boat in Vegas. And so we're like, Ben, like every time we hang out, like we're going to start this thing that we go on boats. So you guys got to book an extra day and we're going to go on the boat. So Jacob's going to bring his wife and then Ben's going to come with his wife and we're going to spend an extra day and go out on the boat. Out on the boat. Oh, that's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. The, the name of the class should be out on the boat. <laughs> I like that, man. That's so cool. So the people who get, who get to go to the class can be on the boat? I don't have that many seats, but we do have a pretty big pontoon. We can fit how many? Like 20, 12. 12. Okay. 12. All right. Well, if you get the invitation, well, if you're you the get, one of the 12. If you could fit 300 in a 200 foot um, room, <laughs> you can get 20 on the 12. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, standing room only, though. All right. That's, yeah. That's a little brutal on the boat, man. That's crazy. Hey, um, you've mentioned um time a little bit, and you've mentioned working three days a week and stuff. How do you as a working mom and as a very successful mom, like how do you, how do you parse out that time for your family? Cause I, I know that I know like we're really busy, especially now that we're, we're back in show season and stuff. And like, it actually hurts me to say this, but you know, my family definitely gets the worst of me, mm -hmm. you know, how do you kind of like, how do you manage that? And, and how do you, how do you, like I have a practice now, like when I'm home, like Sundays, my phone's gone. I leave it in the room. I don't even, you know, I don't even touch it because I need, I need my family too. And more importantly, they need me, you know? Yeah. So do you have anything that you use or anything that, that, how do you, how do you, how do you manage all that? Well, I think the biggest thing is for, for working moms is to understand the value of their time because women, they say women are more likely to, to volunteer and to barter their time. And we're also more emotional and we price emotionally. So it's really important to realize, Hey, if you're going to be out of the house, like you're, the minute you walk out the door, it's costing you. It's costing you in childcare and probably rent on a station, plus all the products that you need to buy, the continuing education. So what number do you need to hit per hour to make it worth it? Otherwise you should stay home. You got to figure out that number. And then you need to figure out what services are going to hit my hourly rate. Let's say it's $100 an hour, right? 
It's like, I got to be making a hundred dollars an hour. Otherwise I should just stay home. Right. So in that case, what can I specialize in that's going to create that, that mm. level of, of income and then only do those clients. So that was the biggest thing was not to try and take all these little, you know, I don't know, beard trim in between a, you know, this and that. No, it's like, okay, I'm going to specialize in foilage, which is lived in color. And I'm going to be very selective about who my clients are because those hours are very precious. So if I'm only working three days a week, let's say you work 10 hours a day, you're working those 30 hours. Each one of those 30 hours is a precious hour. So you cannot waste any of your time. So I think becoming a mom, it's interesting. I thought it was going to hold me back and I was terrified. All it actually did was it taught me the value of my time and how to take my business more seriously. So I've only made more money every single year after having my first child. Wow. So that, that's all that's come out of that. You've just like made more money. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. Well, yeah. obviously I put in the years, you know, I was already right. hairstylist for a decade. I took million, thousands of dollars of continuing education. Right. I, you know, did all kinds of different areas of hairdressing, including editorial. So it's not like in the beginning, you don't have to put in the time and you're going to, and I still do free hair, free models, you know, but if I'm going to create content, I'm going to do, you know, two 18 hour days and I'm going to do six models in two days. And then I'm going to pepper out that content for a couple of months. So it's like when I work, I go freaking hard. And then I have my time with my kids. So for example, like we, we try not to travel back to back weekends, Typically I try to have one weekend on one weekend off, but when this opportunity came to come and teach here in Orlando, I couldn't pass it up. We even took our kids out from school for a day. We're like, okay, we're not going to see our kids. So let's take them out of school and let's have a special day with them. So we always try to have very intentional time with our kids. Even like, you know, Wednesday night, my son has, um, mathnasium, which is like math tutoring because he's so smart in math that his, you know, private preschool still can't push him. So we, we do, we go and I take him, it's just me and him. And then after we go to dinner and we have like mommy and son special time every week, we have a date, you know, and then Fridays, we always pick our kids up early on Friday and we're like, okay, it's Friday. What are we going to do? And then my son's like, well, what are we going to (laughs) do? And then let's go to the fun place. And then we have to have another fun place. We have to have three fun places. And so it's very, it's very intentional. So it's interesting because you know, I've seen moms who are stay at home moms and they see their kids every day and they're almost burnt out in a way that they, they don't like soak up every freaking hour where it's like, oh, I'm so excited yeah. to see you. Let's go do this and let's go do that. And I want to be with you. And how are you? And what are you doing? And what's going on with school? And tell me about this. And, you know, so, so I don't know, like, I guess it's like quality over quantity, I guess. But I love, I love what you said is that really, you know, by having your kids, it taught you your worth. Yes. If you're going to pull me away from my kids, this yeah. is what's, what it's going to cost you. Yeah. You better you know be I mean? paying me. Otherwise, I'm going to be home with my babies. Right. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it, it taught you, you know, what you're worth. And uh, that, that's pretty awesome. I, I, I never really kind of put it in that in that frame of what it's going it, to, this is, this is my love and by being away from this, what is it going to, what it's worth to be away from this and in, in charge, what your worth is. I love it. Ash, dude. I mean, like, I'm just such a big fan of you. And oh, like this you. last hour, man, like you're very, very impressive. <laughs> thank you so like, much. Like you're, you, you, you yeah, You're we're gonna so we're gonna send Chris a, a a ticket out to to come visit us and uh, yeah we're, we're, take we're gonna we're, yeah we're gonna take him on a boat <laughs> yeah we live on Chesapeake Bay so we we have we can be we got a boat too so we, we can do it man ask dude honestly I'm from the bottom of my heart just, just thank you and 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 I'm just super mega impressed by you and 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 everything that you're offering the industry and, 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 you know, I mean, you're also offering guidance and, you know, I think, and if we were to kind of sum up this entire conversation, it it sounded like guidance, you know, like, like, like I've done this and and you can do it too. And, and, and I just, we need more of that, you know, and I love like, you don't have to track through a brand, you know, that brand could be Instagram, that brand can be TikTok. That's who we can track through, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I, I feel honored to be at the table with you. Thank yeah. you very much. So how can our listeners find you, learn all about you, keep up with you? So, um, and my Instagram is Ashley Norman hair, Ashley with two E's, no Y A S H L E E. 
Um, and you can link directly to my website from my profile page. I have in-person classes. I have online education. I also have custom tools that um, it's a 100% family owned business. My mom is actually my distributor. So if you order anything off my website, it's lovingly packaged by my mom. Nice. Um, and by your dad, right? Yeah. So my dad is the manufacturer and my mom's my distributor. That's so uh, dope. Yes. <laughs> she spent many, many, many hours folding my tissue paper and boxing all my merchandise for the show, which by the way, I think we sold out everything today. So we way underestimated. Sorry, you tomorrows. <laughs> going to have to order everything online and my mom's going to be real busy. <laughs> <laughs> Arthritis is kicking in, man. That's yeah. So, cool. so that's how. That's awesome. Miss Ashley Norman, thank you for hanging out with us and thank you very, very much for joining us on you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends. Give us a rating and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hair Street on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.